0: And I uh, appreciate Madison, and we had a uh, good congregational scene, so thank you very much. We are shifting gears in our preaching, so let me tell you where. We are headed, and that is, uh, we have finished the prophetic sections of the book of Matthew. And now we're uh, finishing the Passion Week, the crucifixion, the uh, resurrection, the Great Commission. So we're going back to Matthew in the morning. And uh, I'm finished with our study of the one another passages. Uh, so we are going to be looking at prayer in the Evening services, so we want to focus on prayer for a period of time. Uh, we, as I said this morning, revamping our prayer meeting. Really want to be focusing on prayer, so I'm going to be devoting some Sunday nights to uh, prayer and uh, hope that that will be meaningful and profitable for us spiritually. Tonight, I chose a passage uh, for two reasons. One, it's in keeping with where we are in the Book of Matthew. Um, we are in a section now that is dealing with the Passover with the um, Last Supper, if you will, and uh, Peter's denial of the Lord Jesus. I decided to look at the passage that is found in the book of Luke, for it states uh, very clearly that Christ had prayed for Peter, that his faith had not failed. And so I chose this passage to go along with what we discussed this morning, and that is praying for one another. And ways in which we can pray for one another. Uh, Jesus is our supreme example in all things. And here tonight, we find, I think, a helpful lesson on how Jesus prayed for his disciples and how Jesus prayed for Peter in particular, and then extrapolate some lessons as to how we can better pray for one another. But the introduction, Jesus was a man of prayer, that's quite obvious. And Jesus often prayed for his disciples. Today we focus on a specific prayer that Jesus made in regards to Peter. Background. During the Passover meal, the disciples have been arguing over which of them would be greatest in the coming kingdom. Luke 22:24. 24. Dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Jesus teaches the disciples that in order to be the greatest, they need to be the servant of all. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles... <coughs> <coughs> The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Jesus teaches them to follow his example. He is the greatest in the kingdom, and yet he is the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at table, but I am among you as one who serves. As he washed the disciples' feet, Jesus commends the disciples for their faithfulness in the time of his difficulties. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. It's interesting that he affirms them for their faithfulness before he talks about their desertion of him. But he begins by recognizing their faithfulness. You are those that stood with me in my times of trial. Jesus assures them that they have a place in the kingdom. And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom. Jesus assures the disciples that they will have a place of great authority in that kingdom. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And now these words, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So these disciples that have been disputing and arguing, and that will eventually uh, be scattered and Flee from those that are putting Jesus to death. Nonetheless, Jesus says, you have a kingdom. And you have a very important part in this kingdom. You're going to be judges uh, over the twelve tribes of Israel. Then Jesus informs the disciples that they all will forsake him this evening. Then, notice the time word, then after that, Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. Because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus then informs them that after the resurrection, he will enter into Galilee, where they are to meet him. Matthew 26, 32. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter asserts his allegiance to Jesus. Peter said to him, though they all fall away because of you... (coughs) (laughs) Because of you, I will never fall away. Peter sees himself as being made of different stuff than the rest of the disciples. He has no problem in seeing that the other disciples will fall away. He doesn't say, no, Lord, we would never do that. We We are faithful to you, we are loyal to you, we are dedicated to you. No, Peter says, well, they might, but I never would. Okay, I'm, I'm made of different stuff. I'm a different kind of person. So Peter has no problem in accepting the fact that all the other disciples will fall away, but he will not. So Jesus responds to Peter. Jesus informs Peter that the evil one wants to see what the disciples are made of. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. What is, is astonishing, there's a lot in that simple verse, but what is astonishing is that the evil one has placed a demand upon Jesus. ESV, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. The NAS, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. NIV uh, has asked to sift you. King James has desired To have you. This word that's translated in the ESV and the uh, NAS as demanded is found only here in the entire New Testament. This is the only place that this word demanded is used. And it's probably the very best translation, for it is uh, not simply a request, uh, it is a demand. It is what someone requires. Of someone else. Um, Simon and the others are going to be sifted by the evil one, and he has demanded it to be so. Number one, what we're to see in this verse is not the power of the evil one, rather, we're to see the impudence of the evil one. In other words, Satan has no right to demand that these individuals would be given over to him and that he would sift them as we. He has, he has no standing. He has not a leg to stand upon, to require, which is not what that word means, demand to require that these individuals would be placed Under him for a period of time. So we see the impudence of the evil one. Nevertheless, even though Jesus was not forced by any means to fulfill the demand, nevertheless he did. And so he granted that demand. He didn't have to, he was not obligated in any sense of the word, but nonetheless he granted that which Satan demanded. The demand has reference to all disciples and not just Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. Now, in verse 31, the you is plural. One of the difficulties we have reading in the English Bible is, of course, you for us is either singular or plural and only known by the context. But in the Greek language, there are two different words for a singular you, or two different forms, I should say for a singular you and a plural you, and this is a plural you. So it isn't just Simon that the evil one is demanded to sift like wheat. It's all of the disciples that Satan has des- demanded to sift like wheat. Number two, the trying of the disciples is in keeping with the evil one's trying of Job. All of this is in keeping with the evil one's activity in the lives of all of Jesus' Followers, in the book of Revelation, chapter twelve, we have described for us Satan's activity in the present. Revelation twelve nine, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. The word of God teaches us that at the present time, the evil one has access to the presence of God. Uh, he has access to the heavenly realms. What does he do there? Well, as we read on, we hear, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. That is the main activity of the evil one in the heavenly realm. He brings accusation Against God's people. He finds fault with us. He brings to bear our wrongdoing. He brings up to God our failures. And he even slanders and uh, misrepresents who and what we are. He said when God said, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him. He said, well, the only reason he serves you is because of all that you do for him. You take those things away, he will curse you to your face. Which, of course, Job did not do. But that is the accuser. He is the accuser. 1 Peter 5.8 teaches, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So he's constantly on the prey, constantly wanting to see us fail. Uh, constantly wanting to undermine and underdo us. So this isn't unique to Simon, isn't unique to the apostles, but is true of us that Satan uh, would like to sift us as wheat. That is, to see what we are really made of. Number two, Jesus informs Peter that Jesus has prayed for Peter. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. 32, But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus informs Peter that Jesus has already made a request concerning this situation. But I have prayed for you. Notice the past tense. I have prayed. Not that I will pray, but I already have prayed, knowing that this is going to occur. I have prayed for you. The word prayed has at its core to make a request in a respectful manner. Unlike the evil one who impudently demands, Jesus, who is the very Son of God, makes a respectful request of the Father. If there was anyone who had the right or position to demand something of the Father, it was Jesus. But he doesn't. He respectfully makes a request of the Father. Unlike the evil one who makes a demand. And I would just say to you, that's, of course, the way that... We ought to respectfully uh, approach God when we pray. We are not in any position to make demands, but ma- matter of in humility, make our requests known unto God. B, Jesus informs Peter that Jesus has specifically prayed for Peter. But I have prayed for you. Now, the word you is in the singular. So we move from... Satan desires to have you, plural, that he may sift you as wheat, to Jesus saying, but Peter, I have prayed for you. Specifically, I have prayed for you. See, Jesus informs Peter that Jesus has specifically prayed that Peter's faith would not die out or come to an end. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That your faith may not fail. There are, uh, and then I have. These are the only places in the New Testament where this Greek word, the word for failed, is used. Luke sixteen nine. I tell you, make friends of yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Failing means runs out. Uh, it's exhausted when you have no more money. Luke twenty three forty five. While the sunlight failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and then Hebrews one twelve, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. The word for no end in the English is that word for fail. That's what it means when Jesus said, I have prayed that your faith will not fail, that will not come to an end, that will not be distinguished. The, excuse me, extinguished, not distinguished, extinguished. It will not put at be, it will not peter out. It will not come to an end. It will not ultimately, finally die. I have pray that your faith will continue on. <clears throat> Number one. Here I have uh, a statement from the uh, Holman New Testament Commentary. Jesus' prayer was answered, of course. Uh, Note the contrast in the Holman New Testament commentary. The Holman New Testament commentary says this, quote, here is a prayer of Jesus that was not fulfilled. Faith did fail Peter. Jesus knew that it would. So Jesus encouraged Peter to come back from failure. Okay, that this word failed isn't a cognitive of the word failure. The word fail in the Greek means to come to an end. Peter's faith did not come to an end. It continued on. But for a period of time, Peter did, in fact, uh, deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, Peter did deny the Lord just as Jesus said that he would. Notice. Back in uh, page four, under A, verse thirty-two of Luke twenty-two. I'll read you the verse before Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. Now, verse twenty-two. But it is a conversive. It is. Antithetical to what Satan demanded. He said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, that it would not be extinguished. I say that because I find that an interesting comment from the Holman New Testament commentary, and I don't know, quite frankly, why they came to that conclusion. I am not in any way trying to defame this commentary. I think the Holman New Testament commentaries is one of the The most helpful, most uh, (laughs) I think it's an extremely good commentary. In this one instance, I think they blew it. But overall, it's an extremely good commentary, and I would recommend it to you. Uh, It's uh, very readable, good, but uh, his faith did not fail. Two, Peter did deny the Lord, just as Jesus said that he would. Peter would also be restored, just as Jesus said that he would. Peter's faith was not extinguished in answer to Jesus' prayer. Were it not for Jesus' prayer, Peter's faith would have been extinguished. Were it not for Jesus' intercessory work on our behalf, our faith would be extinguished as well. Um, We have a doctrine that we call the perseverance of the saints. The doctrine of the perseverance of the saints says that God's people, our faith will not fail. That once we are saved, we will indeed be saved. We can be assured of eternal life. But that assurance is not based in anything within us. It's an assurance that is based in the purpose and will of God. Because Jesus, who is the granter of our faith, is also the keeper of our faith. Jesus, who bestows our faith, is also the guardian of our faith. Notice Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Jesus will never stop interceding for us. Jesus will never stop praying for us. Jesus will never stop Defending us before the throne of God. Jesus will not allow our faith to fail. That doesn't mean that we're always what we ought to be. That doesn't mean that, like Peter, we might even go through periods of denial. Periods of great weakness. Periods of succumbing to temptation. But we can be assured that we have an intercessor who is going to intercede for us for all eternity future. So, this is what we really want to get to this this evening, number three. Jesus gives Peter a job to do. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you are back on your feet, when you are reassured, When you are confident once again, when you have turned, now strengthen your brothers. This job is to be formed when Peter is turned around, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter is to establish his brothers in the faith. Luke twenty-two thirty-two, strengthen your brothers. Luke nine fifty-one. Just showing you places of what this word means to strengthen your brothers. Uh, It is a strong resolve. Luke 9.51 refers to Jesus. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He purposed, he resolved. 1 Thessalonians 3, two, And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish you. Same word. Established again in Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.17 And 2 Peter 1.12 Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, that you know them and are established in the truth that you have. 1 Peter 5.10 says this. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That was Peter's words of comfort to his fellow disciples and to all the saints of the church after you have suffered a while peter suffered greatly you remember when he denied the lord three times the lord just looked at him and he went out and he wept bitterly he was disgusted with himself he was angered at himself He was disquieted, but the Lord renewed him, restored him, met with him, comforted him, and said, Peter, this is what I want you to do for the other disciples. I want you to restore them. I want you to comfort them. I want you to assure them of what I said was true. Jesus had told his disciples the very night in which he was betrayed, the very night in which he is going to be arrested, the day before he is going to die, he said to his disciples, you have a place in my kingdom. He said, not only do you have a place in my kingdom, you have an important role in my kingdom. You're going to rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. I can only imagine the thoughts that went through the disciples' after they had scattered, after they had fled, after they had run away, after Jesus had just praised them for their staying with him in the times of his trial. Now, they're going to run for the hills. And they could easily wonder, am I going to be forgiven? (laughs) And, Have I forfeited my rule? Uh, Am I even going to be allowed into the kingdom of God, let alone be ruler in this kingdom? Jesus says to Peter, strengthen your brothers. Has this aspect of comfort and courage. Conclusion. One of the best ways we can strengthen one another is to pray for one another. Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. A picture of prayer. From whom every family in heaven and earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Jesus prayed for Peter. Peter is to pray for the other disciples. We are to pray for one another. This morning I said, as people confess their sins to us, we should not gossip. And then I said, a second thing is, we should not condemn. Rather, we should reassure, we should reassure that God's people are sinners. We're all sinners. And as long as we are on the face of this earth, we're going to be sinners. We have an overestimation of ourselves if, if we think that we're not. And we have an overestimation of ourselves if we think that somehow we're made of different stuff than other people. That there's something uniquely spiritual about us that we wouldn't do certain things that other people do. Peter could accept that, well, other people are going to do that, but I never would. Let us be reminded that David was a man after God's own heart. David not only committed adultery, David committed murder. David lied. David cheated. David did some incredibly horrific things. And yet God restored him. God forgave him. God raised him up. God allowed him to continue in the kingship and to rule over his people. And David, through the Psalms, has strengthened the people of God as he pointed us to forgiveness, as he pointed us to restoration, as he pointed us to the great delivering power of God. We are to be like Peter. We are to take the lessons that we have learned about our own forgiveness and apply them to others. We are to extend the mercy and grace of God. To reassure individuals that God forgives, God restores, God takes back. And even God continues to use individuals that have succumbed to the evil one who is seeking at all times people to devour So, let us encourage one another, first of all, when people confess their sins to us, let us encourage them of God's willingness to restore and his ability to deliver, his ability to change the life of an individual, so that Peter is going to get to a place where he's not going to deny the Lord. But it's not because of the stuff that Peter's made of. It's because of the grace of God. Because Peter is going to learn to rely not upon himself, but upon God. And with that recognition, with that knowledge, Peter's life is going to be transformed. Secondly, let us think intently about our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let us think about how we can pray to strengthen them. Uh, I'm delighted in the number of young people we have uh, in the church for their commitment to Lord Jesus Christ and we heard this morning we have a large graduating class and many of them have gone off to college. It is probably one of the most dangerous times in the life of a of a young person. It's so easy to go off to college and just get lax. You know, nobody's there, nobody's Saying you got to do anything, uh, it's easy to sleep in on a Sunday morning. You're tired. You don't know. It. You don't have a church to go to. You don't know the people. You don't know the church. It's easy to just become indifferent. We should be praying. Praying, not because that our young people don't know the Lord, but because our young people are human beings who have the same temptations that we all have we ought to be praying that God would preserve them and keep them from the evil one that they would remain strong and committed and steadfast Um, you probably have heard me say this time and time again but I remember when my kids were, were little and they would want to do certain things and I wouldn't let them and they would say to me don't you trust me that never worked because I'd always say no I don't I don't trust you but I said it's not you that I don't trust it's human nature I don't trust myself we have to be careful. So let's pray for one another, that we would remain strong, steadfast. There are other times of temptation, when people are going through hardship, difficulty, when families have to, to face um, difficulties with our, with, our, with our children. You know, one of the largest divorce rates have to do with parents that are caring for a disabled child. Uh, it's taxing on a family. Uh, It is difficult, uh, many times financially. It's emotionally difficult. It takes a lot of time. And a lot of times parents can't agree always on what the uh, best thing to do for that child is. We ought to be praying for those individuals that we know they are in tough spots, uh, caring for a disabled child. Uh, going through financial hardships or difficulties, or even perhaps coming into a large sum of money, and there are temptations that are associated with that. Uh, Praying for one another that our faith wouldn't fail. And even more than that, that, that we wouldn't succumb to temptation, that we would really persevere in our walk with him. Let us think about How we can pray for one another in this tempestuous period of time in which we live. And I say this particular time not because it's 2016 as opposed to 1510. But simply because the Lord has not yet returned. And until he comes, the evil one is seeking whom he may devour. And... On our own strength, we're gonna succumb. But by the grace of God, we will not. Let's pray. Our Father, help us this night to pray for one another, uh, to hold one another up, uh, even in areas that, uh, for people that are doing well, people that are strong in the faith, uh, people that are walking with you. But that doesn't mean that we are beyond temptation. The disciples were being praised for their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. They had stuck by him in their times of trial and difficulty. They had been faithful to him. And yet it is those very same disciples who are going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who are going to depart from Jesus for a period of time. Lord, uh, help us that we don't depart from you. Help us that we don't become apathetic, indifferent to the things of God. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to hold each other up, to encourage one another, uh, to uh, seek to be a help, an assistant. uh, As I say, an encouragement, refreshing one another and in our walk with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.